There are times when you have to do hard things for those whom you love. And you do the difficult things because in some of those situations, it is the best way to honor that individual. Some caring friends have a hard time applying this truth to those they love. And I understand that. Nobody wants to intentionally hurt anyone, but sometimes in relationships, you have to do a hard thing because that actually is what love is in that particular context situation with that loved one. But usually they are afraid not to acquiesce to the demands of the individual because of the gaslighting or the manipulations that the other person is pressing in on them. Now, for those who have a hard time saying no, or for those who let other folks run over them they must come to terms with a complicated truth. And to put it in its most succinct form, I would say it this way. Honoring others does not mean letting them run all over you. Welcome to the podcast. You are listening to Life Over Coffee, and I am Rick Thomas, and I'm so grateful that you are here. I have a brief article on our website that I have uh, written up, and if you want to read it, I would love for you to do it. The title of the article is, Honoring Does Not Mean Giving Others Everything They Want. And so you can listen to this podcast, which I hope you will, but you can also get the full transcript by going on our ministry's website and reading this article. There are also embedded links here that will help you if you want to do a deeper dive. I have a short video, a gaslighting video that will also help you. Gaslighting is basically when an individual tries to manipulate you for evil purposes, trying to get you to believe and act on something for evil reasons. And you can watch this short video if you want. And it gives a, I think, a pretty clear explanation of what gaslighting is. But it does tie in uh, to this article here, honoring does not mean giving others everything they want, because what's implied here is that there are times, especially with former authority figures in our lives, meaning they had a full or fuller authority at one time, but they don't carry that that kind of authority any longer, like parents of adult children don't have the authority over the adult children like they did when those adult children were much smaller. And sometimes these parents can manipulate or gaslight the individual, the adult child in this example, trying to get them to believe something that it really is not true or something that they should not believe because uh, the former authority figure is trying to accomplish something for their own self-centered purposes. And so you can watch this gaslighting video if you wish. But please read the article, and I also have several other links here that will benefit you. The reason I'm writing this article and doing this podcast is because I, I we have had a, a number of people over the past couple of months who have come to our ministry 
ministry talking about uh, folks that are explicitly manipulating them, trying to get them to do things that they are sensing that they should not do. And so this question has come up, and I wanted to prepare this article and podcast and guest lighting video for them. Now, if you have a question about any of these things, or maybe you have a question about something else, this is what our ministry does. We are here to serve the body of Christ with the practical message of Jesus Christ. That is our strength. That is our wheelhouse. We work in the area of progressive sanctification primarily. And so if you have a relationship question, family, marriage, parenting, personal struggle, addiction, someone's manipulating you, uh, and they're dropping the honoring card. They're saying, you need to honor me, and you just sense there's something here that's just not right. But whatever your question is, please uh, jump on our community forums. Those forums are free to you. All you have to do is get a username and a password. And the reason we have those is like all other platforms, basically, Facebook, Instagram, you have to have a username and, and password. And we do that to create a barrier so that the spammers and, and other nefarious folks uh, will not be able to make a breach or scale the wall. We have a super safe website, and we plan, by the grace of God, to keep it that way. And so you have to have a username and password in order to get inside our forums. Now, you don't need that to watch our videos, listen to our podcast, read our articles. You can just walk right in the door and all that stuff is is right up front and you can read those. But our forums are free too, but you just have to be logged in to our website, have a username and password. Those things are free to you. And once you have those, then you can go deeper into our website. Specifically, you can get on our free community forums. Now for <clears throat> Excuse me. For those of you who support our ministry, you're you are our financial partners. We have a private forum for you. And of course, I would prefer that you go there as a supporter. That's a much smaller community, uh, but that is a good place for you to go. And you don't have to be out on the community forum. But either way, uh, please come to us and ask whatever question that you have, and we would love to serve you as best we can. Becky, big shout out to you. Thank you so much for the kind note that you put on one of our social media platforms. It's made its way to me, and this is what you said, Becky. I recently completed eight months of biblical counseling classes, but I have to say I'm learning so much from your teachings, the whys and whats and hows of things and people. I'm actually learning how to ask and apply in real and practical ways. Thank you. I'm adding all your teachings to my notebook. I don't know what kind of notebook you have, Becky, but thank you for adding my teaching to it. I know uh, someone told me there's a lady in Louisiana, I believe in L.A., maybe, uh, lower Alabama, uh, but, but somewhere down there uh, that they print off my articles and put it in a notebook, too. So, Becky, they also have a notebook of our articles. And so whatever notebook you're building, keep on building and share those things. But thank you for turning around and coming back and and sharing that, because I do find that 
encouragement. I mean, it is important to know if we're hitting the nail on the head. And so, Becky, I thank you that you're now, you have found our ministry and that you're using it. And by implication, uh, we, me and us, we're able to help people through you. And so God works through us, impacts you. God works through you, impacts others. And that is exactly what I have always envisioned that this ministry would be. Uh, it's not just a buffet for people to get help and become a dead sea uh, to where they sit and soak, and they are the not just the primary, but the only beneficiaries of the ministry, but they sit and soak and benefit, but yet they go out and want to make disciples. And so, Becky, you're modeling the vision of this ministry, and that's what our financial partners do as well. They understand it. It's not just for them, but it's for others, and so they want to help us so that we can reach you, Becky, and so that you can reach others, and so it can work like a a sanctification web that just weaves its way around the globe, impacting lives. And so again, thank you so much, Becky, for writing that note. All right, let me jump into this challenging and somewhat complicated uh, article and podcast that I want to present here. The title again, Honoring Does Not Mean Giving Others Everything They Want. Let me begin by sharing a story that happened a a long time ago. I think our son was uh, probably around four, three, four, five years of age. And as I have told many people, he came out of the womb walking upright and our Our chief aim in life with him was to get him through childhood without him killing himself (laughs) because he he was always active. And by the way, that has not changed. He is still that way. And so there was an impulsivity to the way that he lived his life, always jumping, going, doing, being. Uh, He's a very active kid. And again, it hasn't it hasn't changed, and so he was getting himself in in different kinds of jams or hurting himself in different ways. And so uh, this story here, it was a number of years ago, and again, I, he, he was four or five years old, I don't remember, but he got a huge splinter stuck in his big toe, and I tried to get it out, but I, I failed. It was just too deep, and I couldn't do it, so I texted my small group compadre at that time who happened to be and still is a wonderful doctor and I asked him if he could bring some of his cutting equipment Uh, that's the way I describe it Uh, it probably has a more technical name than that uh, to our group meeting the following night and I talked to him about the splinter would it be uh, would it be okay I mean if it waited you know 12 hours or whatever or 15 hours for the group meeting the next day he said it would be fine, but you did want to take care of it as soon as possible. And I talked to our, our son. Now, he said that he would be okay and he could wait uh, till then. But I'm sure that his chief motivation was not having somebody come over and cut into his big toe. And so Lucia and I, uh, that evening, we had already planned a date. So we went on a date and it seemed like everything uh, was fine. 
But then we were no more than 10 minutes down the road when my friend doctor phoned saying that he was standing on our front porch. Uh, but no one would uh, come to the door. Now, we had fantastic kid sitters at that time, and so we had to call our sitter and let them know that letting him into the house was okay. It was safe. He's a good guy. And so it was really wonderful. He just that's the way he is, the doctor. Uh, he wanted to help, and uh, he had availability, and, and so he just popped on over and said, I can take care of this now. And so the sitter let her uh, let him in, and then we got home later that evening, and per usual, we would do a debrief. We always did a debrief with, with our sitters to see, you know, how things went, you know, with the children and so forth, and what could we learn, how could we benefit from uh, them taking care of our children and observing them outside of our oversight. That's always good data that you can collect to make you a better parent. And so we were doing the debrief, and the sitter said that she got a bit woozy when our friend sliced our son's toe to get the splinter out. But she knew that there was no other way. And she said that our son screamed at the top of his lungs. And as she was telling me that, I wasn't getting woozy, but I hurt for him too, as she was telling the story. I mean, even as I do this podcast now, it brings up some some distant memories of the splinter ordeal. But the irony is, is that he was okay soon after the pain. And the splinter ordeal was losing focus as it became more of a distant memory. And now, again, it's been so many, more than a decade now, way more than a decade now. The temptation is to prolong the agony because of the immediate, the immediate pain of doing something. That is the tension here. And when there is foreseeable pain, immediate pain, uh, in our view, there can be a temptation to kick the can down the road because we don't want to deal with it now. And that's the real irony of the story, is that our friend honored our son by administering temporary pain that brought a long-term solution, a pain-free solution. Can you hear that sentence the way it's intended? Our friend honored our son by administering temporary pain that brought a long-term pain-free solution. There was no way to get that splinter out of his toe without slicing into it. And it would not serve our son to allow him to continue in the state he was in because it could lead to an infection. It could lead to ongoing complicating problems if you didn't deal with it immediately, knowing that dealing with it immediately is going to be painful. When long-term detrimental adverse consequences are the consequence of immediate short-term inaction, those who know to do good are not loving well. If our doctor said, you know, I'm not interested in coming over and administering pain to your son. I don't want to do that. Well, he would, I mean, he has that right, but he would not be loving well. And so he went above and beyond the call of duty to love our son well. 
Of course, our son knew that, ultimately he knew that our friend loved him too. And he also knew that there was no way to get the splinter out of his big toe. The funny thing is, the following day, he grabbed his big toe and he said, Hey, Dad, look at this. It's gone. It does not hurt anymore. And as he was pulling on his big toe, he was standing like a crane at the beach. He held it up to me so that I could see his war wound. Now, there's a verse of Scripture that ties into this, and this is what I really want to focus on in this podcast. It's in Luke eight nineteen to 21. It goes like this. Then his mother and his brothers, talking about Jesus' mother and Jesus' brothers, they came to him, but they could not reach him because of the crowd. And he was told, quote, your mother and your brothers are standing outside desiring to see you. But Jesus answered them, my mother and my brothers are those who hear the word of God and do it. When the disciples told Jesus that his mother and his brothers were standing outside and could not get into the house, Christ made a very odd statement about who were his true brothers and mother. I have counseled many adult children who have a hard time putting into practice these words. They still succumb to the temptation of their manipulative parents, manipulative in-laws, or maybe manipulative friends who take advantage of their past authority over them. And the result is that the parents cloud the thinking of the adult children. Now, you could say that the children give the former authority figures power over them. But either way, typically these independent children, adult children, they interpret the commandment to honor your father and honor your mother as doing whatever their fathers or mothers or, or in-laws ask them. Now, there are at least two objections to this kind of blank check thinking. Number one, no parent has absolute authority over a child regardless of the child's age. Because of sin, it's possible to overrule those who are over you. All people are imperfect, which implies the potential for mistakes, poor judgments, or sinful requests from authority figures. So no parent or no individual has absolute authority over a child. And then number two, if an adult child is married, their primary priority is their spouse, not their parents, not their in-laws. Married children have a brand new autonomous domestic empire that takes precedence over the former autonomous domestic empire from which they came. The vital question, the new autonomous empire the new couple has to answer is, quote, how can I 
best make God's name great through my new reprioritized relationship with my spouse, regardless of how it impacts my immediate family, in-laws, Christian friends, or even pagan relationships. Jesus set the standard by implying that being a blood relative does not give you the gold card to hold authoritative sway over any individual any way that you wish. For example, if your relatives were not Christians, they would take a back seat to your Christian relationships. Blood is thicker than water, but our eternal spiritual family takes precedent over our earthly families. The most special privileges belong to those who are part of the eternal family, not a temporal earthly family. Secondly, there are times when the best way you can honor someone is by disappointing them. For example, my friend's, my doctor friend, expression of honor to our son meant short-term personal disappointment and pain for him. Now, I am not suggesting in any way that you should be rude or unkind, harsh, that you should lack compassion. Jesus was not those two was not any of those things. You know, it's it's like there's only two compartments for people and there's no complexity and there's no nuance. Either give them everything that they want or be rude or unkind. Both of those things are extreme. You don't live in either ditch. The question you have to work through is how how you can make God's name remarkable in your relationship. That's really the question. How can you broadcast God's fame? Not how can you make sure this person will always like you. One of my professors captured this idea, Wayne Mack. He was one of my profs in my Master's in Biblical Counseling course. He said this, You can like me now. And you can hate me later, or you can hate me now, and you can love me later. His meaning is that there will be times in your relationships when you will have to say or do hard things to people, especially those close to you. Now, Wayne added that you might succumb to the temptation not to say the hard stuff in those moments because of the potential of losing that friendship. Ironically, if you lose the friendship by loving them in the way that I'm communicating here, you never really had a friendship or minimally you had a superficial form of a relationship. Wayne appealed to us to ensure our primary approval comes from God rather than people. If you live in this gospel truth of the Lord as your preliminary and final, that covers the entire spectrum, he is our preliminary and he is our final authority, 
You will be in the best possible place to serve others. Even helping them may mean disappointing them. Though my son would not say it this way, he could have said, like what Wayne Mack said, I didn't like that man cutting into my foot, but I like him a lot now. And that's really the idea. If my uh, if our friend had not cut into his foot, he would say, I love your doctor friend a lot, but I hate him now because I had to amputate my toe or my toe had gangrene. No, I love him now, even though he cut my foot and hurt me earlier. If you are manipulatable by those you love the most, you have to determine what they have that you want so much that you're willing to let them run all over you so you can ascertain that thing that you want. Now, maybe that's a complicated sentence, and so let me say it a short way. The thing you believe you need from others will be the thing that controls you. If you believe that they have something that you want, then you will let them control you in order that you can get the thing that you want. For example, if you want their love, if you want their respect, if you want their approval, if you want them liking you, then that is something that you have determined that you need from that individual. And if you're not careful, you will allow them to control you so that you can get that thing that you want. Let me say it plainly. I'm talking about idolatry here. Now, though I recognize that there are many shaping influences that can form us into this kind of person that caves to the manipulations of others, the goal is to be, is to be set free by a higher and more loving authority than those who are manipulating you. And the reason I talk about shaping influences is because I, I realize for many of us who find ourselves in the position to where we're being manipulated by former authority figures, we just didn't get there overnight. Uh, for example, it happens so often with children, and so early on in their lives, their parents just maintain a heavy-handed authoritarianism in their lives, and they never release the child. And so this child has been living in a 30- or 40-year shaping influence, and now they're 45 years old, and they're still under the thumb of the parent because of this multi-decade shaping influence. It happens. And so I'm not fussing at you, or neither do I expect you to stop letting them manipulate you by simply turning off a switch because you didn't get this way overnight. By the way, I have a link here at this point in the article, Shaping Influences, and I would encourage you to watch that one-hour webinar on our website. It will benefit you tremendously. The title of this podcast is Honoring Does Not Mean Giving Others Everything They Want. Let me ramp up by asking you four questions. Number one, what hinders you from speaking the truth in love to those who turn your words back on you, saying you're mean to them? 
That's, that happens. By the way, that is a definition of gaslighting. They are telling you that you're doing something that you know that you're not doing. They're gaslighting you, and they're doing it for ill motive. And so the question is, what hinders you from speaking the truth in love to those who turn your words back on you, saying you're mean to them? And what happens is that when you know that this is going to have this is going to be their reaction, then you just stop. You just don't speak the truth in love because you know what they're going to do. And so what hinders you from speaking the truth in love? Also embedded in this question, well, clearly speaking the truth in love. And that's where you don't want to dissociate the word love from speaking the truth. As I was saying earlier, speaking the truth never implies rudeness or being unkind or harsh to another person. But we do have to persist and be determined to speak the truth. Number two, if you are a parent, if you're a relative, if you're an in-law or other authority, are you, are you still trying to control adult family members or their spouses, yes or no? Now, if you are, why are you doing this to them? Why can't you, why won't you let them be that, that autonomous domestic empire that has left your autonomous domestic empire and set up their own? That is a discussion question for you to work through. Number three, do you consider the family of God is more important than blood kin? If not, why not? Now, please don't read into that, that we are to be unloving to those who aren't in the family of, of God, those that aren't in the body of Christ. That text that I shared with you with you earlier from Luke 8, 19 to 21, who is my mother, who are my brothers, it's those who do the will of God. Well, please understand that that's, you can't read into that, that Jesus didn't love his mother or he didn't love his brothers. That would be an extreme. And so he's not setting up an extreme here that you love those in the family of God and you unlove those that aren't in the family of God. No, he's setting up a priority. Do you consider the family of God is more important than blood kin? And then number four, if you struggle in these ways, I have a link here to my Fear of Man webinar. And my appeal is quite simple. Would you take the time to watch that webinar? You have been listening to Life Over Coffee with Rick Thomas. If you have a question for Rick, you can let him know by sending him a note through his website, rickthomas.net. That's rickthomas.net. Thanks for listening. Enjoy your coffee.